It's official. One Shining Podcast is back, and I am your host, Tate Frazier. And as March Madness begins, we're covering everything from Selection Sunday all the way to the championship and beyond. We're going to have great guests that are coming through on the show. And look, if you're a friend of the program and you're already subscribed, you don't have to do anything. OSP is back. It's going to be right back in your feed. And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show is back. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help. Dot com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Very eventful day. A lot to dive into right out of the gate. First of all, happy Selection Sunday, one and all. It is coming gone. I have a bracket in front of me. I am not going to unveil the official picks on today's podcast. I'm not ready to do so. I'm not willing to do so. But Stefan has already seen my initial, my initial Final Four. So stay tuned. I have a couple of plays I really, really like. I'm fired up to break down this region, the brackets, all that good stuff. We'll have Coach O'Toole in a little bit. I got to start here. Can Rodgers get this thing done? I sound like I'm beating a dead horse. I sound exhausted by it. You know, I have Jeff fans in my life telling me, oh, it's going to happen on Friday. It's going to happen today. It's gonna, uh, he, he goes and he has this little interview with Brandon Marshall at, at some event he's at, talking about Williamsburg, talking about Woody Johnson, the meeting being interesting. Enough. The Dog and Pony Show, I'm over it. And I think I'm speaking on behalf of a good amount of the Jeff fans who are out there. Please, let's get this done by Monday or Tuesday at the latest. Because I don't know how many more days I can keep going down the road of, does Rodgers want the Jets? Does Rodgers want to keep playing football? What is Aaron Rodgers thinking? On and on and on and on and on we go. The Jets need him. And that's pretty obvious. 
Buffalo's not going anywhere. My team just got Jalen Ramsey. My team is basically putting their cojones on the table and saying, let's freaking go. All in for the 2023 season. I am fired up that Jalen Ramsey is a Miami Dolphin. But in many ways, that only puts that much more pressure on Joe Douglas and on Robert Sala to do everything in their power with Woody Johnson to convince Aaron Rodgers that you want to be a New York Jet. The Jets clearly want him. The Jet team clearly wants him. Does Aaron Rodgers want to be a Jet? Hopefully, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, by uh, Monday or Tuesday, we'll have a Twitter spaces whenever the news breaks one way or the other. We'll hop on. We'll post that as a podcast, and we'll check in with Beningo, who, by the way, has called me about five times saying, I wish the Jets would have just signed Derek Carr. You know how many times he's told me that? Way too often. So, unfortunately for you Jet fans, I have no update on the Aaron Rodgers festivities. Now, we'll do the NBA quick before we get to all the Selection Sunday stuff and my initial leans on what you see in the bracket. Knicks needed this win on Sunday. They needed it in the absolute worst way. They lost Saturday, had a terrible fourth quarter. Needed this game. Randall brought him home early. Played great. You know he showed up for the potential matchup, like going up against one of his Kentucky guys and Anthony Davis. He was ready for it. On the flip side, R.J. Barrett really brought the Knicks home. And it's another instance of the Knicks specifically seeing Barrett look like a different player when Jalen Brunson is not in the fold. And that is a problem now for the Knicks. You don't expect that you're going to have Jalen Brunson Tuesday against the Portland Trailblazers. You would get out and dodge and end some for the potential of getting 500 on this road trip, especially when you lose the first two games. Winnable game against Sacramento. Winnable game against the Clippers. Knicks fail to win both. They get this one, though, Sunday against the Lakers, although they did everything imaginable we'll try to yuck it up at the end of the game. And, and that sequence where Barrett, up four, is putting up a shot. He played great, and I don't want to take away from what he did. He had some outside shots. He was incredibly efficient. RJ had a phenomenal, phenomenal second half. But where is the awareness on the shot clock? Up four. You know the Lakers have to foul. What are you putting a shot up for? And then you see more stupidity on the basketball court because the Lakers are down four with like 14 seconds left and they don't foul. It's like, guys, what are you doing? You realize you're down in this game, right? You realize that. But you're not going to apologize if you're the Knicks. Randall with 33. Barrett with 30. And how about Barrett giving you 30, going 12 of 27 from the field, even though he is one of eight from three. And his three-point shot just continues to be MIA. And what can you say about Hart at the end of these games? Hart hits big free throws. He hits big shots. He's clutch. A lot to like about Josh Hart's game. Now, I want to give the Nets some credit. And I'm going to give the Nets some credit because I left them for dead a couple weeks ago when they got smoked by the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. To make the argument that Friday night win against the Boston Celtics kind of gave him a new lease on life in this 2022-2023 season. And the Nets go to Denver, one of the toughest places to play in the NBA, against the MVP, possibly. Right now, he's the odds-on favorite, Jokic, to go and win that award. And they go and outscore Denver 37-18 in the third quarter and win by the score of 122-120. to The Nets and the Knicks, they're kind of positioning themselves for a nice little race down the stretch here to see who's going to get that five seed. A lot of us, myself included, kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion the Knicks were going to be that five seed. The Nets have something to say about that. And I'll tell you, Bridges is super impressive. Since he's come to the Nets, I mean, he's been a scoring machine. 
We've always known about his defense. We always have known about how he gets after it. He gets after it defensively. But my goodness, his offensive game has kind of evolved here. So really, really good win for the Nets. Right now, the Nets and the Knicks, they're even. Nine and a half behind Milwaukee. They're even with each other for that fifth seed. And they split. Super important for the Knicks that they got that split against Brooklyn for the head-to-head standpoint. Then you're looking at Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, and Chicago. Knicks and Nets, a couple more good games. I'd say another week or two of quality basketball, and you're talking about these teams really pulling away from that plane. So, want to give the Nets some credit. That's a monster, monster win against the Denver Nuggets today. Now, it is Selection Sunday. And I might have buried the lead a little bit here because I wanted to get to all the New York stuff right out of the gate. But, it's a wide-open tournament. To me, there are about 10, 11 teams that can go and win this thing. My takeaways from the bracket. Number one, the hardest region, without question for me, is the West region. And that is where you're going to have some local twang and you're going to have some local flavor. UConn and Iona in the first round of the tournament. Dan Hurley, Rick Pitino. It's very possible we're talking about this being Rick Pitino's last game, coaching the Iona Gals before he ends up at St. John's, which is an absolute no-brainer for them. UConn is a significant favorite in the game. There's a lot of pressure on Hurley and company. They cannot be a team that's bounced in the first weekend. There's too much talent on that team. You look at their Kempom numbers, their metrics, they're way too good. Offensive, defensive efficiency. To me, if you're UConn, you've got to be in the Sweet 16. But that region is loaded. you got Kansas, the defending champs. They're a one. You have UCLA and Gonzaga. And you have TCU, who's very dangerous at the bottom of the region. A Zaga-UCLA Sweet 16 in Vegas is spicy. Think about it. They matched up two years ago. Suggs hit the shot, walked it off against a lot of these same UCLA players. Tiger Campbell and Jacquez, just to name a few. UCLA, though, lost two big players. You saw them against Zona. Saturday night, if you watched, they are tough as nails. They got some tough MFers on that team. They really do. So UCLA is a team I'm very, very high on as we go through these brackets. Um, then you get to the Midwest region. Houston loses their best player. Didn't play today. Got smoked by Memphis. What does that mean moving forward? Groin injury. Tricky. Could be back in a few days. Could be out for a few weeks. Does that change things, maybe, from a Houston perspective? That, to me, a little bit of a wide-open region. I watched a lot of Penn State. I bet them every single game in a Big Ten tournament. They were good to me. They were good to me. The problem is they got a brutal draw because they got A&M, who is not a seven seed. Texas, really impressive, won the Big 12 tournament. They're a two seed. And then you look at the top half of the region. Indiana's there. Tough game they got with Kent State. They're spunky. Drake, Miami. Miami doesn't play a look at defense. And they just lost their big man. Not ideal. Houston should be able to get to a Final Four. This should be the year Kelvin Sampson goes two for three, gets to the Final Four, and it's in his backyard in Houston, Texas. Maybe the swan song for everybody involved, including Jim Nance, which you know. He wants nothing more to call his last Final Four, have Houston a part of it, and Houston win the national championship. And then give Kelvin Sampson the stupid tie. You know Nance is dying to do that. It's going to be tough to pick against Houston in that region. Very, very tough. And we're pulling, of course, for our guy, Coach O'Toole, is going to join us. They get in. Very happy about that. There's a team that got snubbed. We'll get to that in a little bit. 
the Bama region. Bama is the overall number one seed. Brandon Miller's Say what you want about the legal stuff, and I know it's going to be a topic of conversation throughout this tournament. He is unbelievable. Like, that guy's got length. He's got the shot. He's got the swag. He's a tremendous, tremendous player. And we'll have, I think, a very, very good NBA career. The game they have to look out for, I'm telling you right now, is Virginia. Now, I don't know if Virginia's going to get there, because you know what? This is what you got to be careful of, folks, when you're filling out these brackets. All these dopey experts, they all love the 12. They all love the 13. Be careful of the trendy 12 and 13. How many times do you get the trendy pick? Remember Seth Davis, Montana over Syracuse? Syracuse won that game in 2013 by like 70 points. Should go down as like the worst upset pick in the history of upset picks. And I know it's near and dear to my heart because it involves Syracuse. Be careful with that. Why do I bring that up? If Virginia can get out of the first weekend, and I think if they beat Furman, they probably will get out of the first weekend, their contrast in style could give a team like Alabama fits. I don't know if we'll see the matchup. I don't know if Virginia has enough firepower to even get out of the first weekend, but I'm telling you, that's a tough matchup for Alabama. Bottom of the bracket, Creighton's, Kempom numbers, they play. Creighton to me is a team as a six seed. You got Creighton, NC State. You got Missouri, Utah State. I'm not in on either one of those teams. And then you got Arizona. Creighton is a team that was preseason top five that kind of played lousy basketball through January, then all of a sudden got going, didn't play great, got smoked by Xavier in the Big East tournament. I think Creighton is a team that can make some serious, serious noise. So when we do our bracket reveal, don't be surprised your boy has Creighton going deep into this NCAA tournament. I like their team a lot. Then finally, I think the most vulnerable number one seed without question are the Purdue Boilermakers. I, I am not a believer in that team. I think if you get athletic guards and you press the shit out of them, they're going to be overwhelmed. Edie's great. You know, Edie would be a 15-year NBA player if the NBA was 20 years ago. Like, he has that old man type of game to him. He's got great post moves. He's got good footwork. He's gotten better. I mean, he dominated these last two games at the Big Ten Tournament. But you know who's playing really well? And you know who's gotten on the bandwagon? This is going to be my big takeaway here for the bracket, the weekend, and my feelings on what you're going to see over the next two weeks. I can't get enough of this Duke team. Now that they got Roach doing his thing in the backcourt, Filipowski, all-ACC rookie, freshman, whatever you want to call them. Stud. They got size. They get after it on D, and now they're more efficient on offense. They're a different team than they were back in January. I grabbed Duke at 40-1 to to win the title. You ain't going to find 40-1 to to win the title now. Now it's in that 30-1 to range, 28-25-1 to range, depending on where you get it. I think Duke is going to make a lot of noise in this tournament. And maybe I'm in a minority on this. I have no problem now rooting for Duke with John Shire as the head coach. Like, I had Coach K fatigue. I definitely did not want to see them win the national championship last year. No way, no how. They got there. It was great th- drama. It was great theater. Uh, but now with John Shire, I kind of find myself rooting for John Shire. You know, you're taking over for a legend. You go and win the ACC tournament first year, not too shabby. But that region's at Madison Square Garden. You know what they are. Praying for at MSG. The possibility of getting Duke and Kentucky 
somehow, some way, they're salivating thinking about it because of what the ticket prices may be. So we'll see if Kentucky can hold up their end of the bargain. We'll see if Duke can hold up their end of the bargain. But I am high on this Duke team. That region, I think it's wide open. Purdue, you got Duke as a five. Tennessee, who I'm not a believer in because it can't score as a four seed. Bottom of the region, Kentucky. It's a tough road. Providence is an 11. Kansas State is a three. You got Michigan State, USC in the 10-7, and then Marquette, who just won the Big East tournament as a two seed. So I would say right now, there are about 10 teams, 8 to 12. I'll say 10 is a conservative number that could go win the national championship. And later this week, we will officially unveil our NCAA tournament March Madness bracket and see where it takes us. So I want to note this because he came on the show and I am not responsible for this, so I'm not taking any blame. Rutgers got absolutely hosed not going to the NCAA tournament. And I don't want to hear about the Minnesota loss at the end of the year. And I don't want to hear about the strength of schedule. You compare the resume of a team like Rutgers and a team like Nevada, it's not even close. Rutgers, say what you want about Purdue, and I'm not a believer. They're still a number one seed. They went to Purdue and beat Purdue. They got quad one, quad two wins up the wazoo. They should be dancing. They won their game in the Big Ten tournament. They took care of Michigan. They have a legitimate gripe. Now, they didn't play great down the stretch, and I know that Minnesota game and the Ohio State game early in the year cost them. But I think Rutgers got a raw deal here by not finding their way into the NCAA tournament. We should be talking about Rutgers and Pitt playing in the first four. And we're not. So our local playing and our local feel for this tournament, it's Friday, and UConn and Iona. Game I will very much be into. I mean, I'm in all these tournament games. I, uh, between the bracket pools, the survivor pool that I'm in with the great Alex in Newark, which is fantastic. Love the su- survivor pool. It's so much fun. And then, you know, my futures bets, there's a lot cooking on this NCAA tournament. So uh, I'm fired up for it. I know it's not the biggest event or the biggest sport in our city. Because we're a pro sports town, I understand that. But let's be real. It's tough not getting into March Madness. And on Thursday and Friday, I'm going to be as giddy as a schoolboy. Watching these games till high noon until well after midnight. Hallelujah for that. All right. Let's take a couple of voicemails. They, a very fired up Coach O'Toole. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who shot out at Cannon? Talked to him earlier today after Pitt made it on the right side of the bubble, made it in the NCAA tournament. We'll have some fun. Let's do some voicemail stuff coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, before we take some voicemails, 917-382-1151. Anthony Volpe is doing everything in his power to make the New York Yankees. I mean, he is doing everything in his power. He's hitting home runs. He's stealing bases. You hear everybody down in spring training raving about the dude. The question I have on March the 13th, can the pre-spring training narrative which was pretty simple. Probably starting a year in AAA. Is that changing from Yankee brass? 
And I know I've been telling you Peraza, and I love Peraza's glove, and I think he's the Yankee shortstop of the future. But my goodness, Volpe has this kind of camp. I feel like you got to reward it. And maybe I'm just thirsty for one of these prospects to come up and have serious sizzle and have an insane, immediate impact. You've heard about the guy so much, and he's wowing you. He's wowing you. So that's going to be a very, very tough call for Brian Cash and Aaron Boone. As long as it's one of the kids, I'm not going to complain. I promise. Scouts honor. I did like two weeks in Boy Scouts, and I absolutely hated it. So I don't even know what Scouts honor is, but close enough. You get my drift. If it's one of the two kids, I'm not going to be screaming bloody murder. I'm serious. I'm not going to give the Yankees a hard time about it. If it's not KF, it's a totally different story. And this Rizzo back issue is already scaring the crap out of me. They're a different team when he plays. They need him out there. Rizzo and Stan are two guys. Notice the difference when they don't play. So hearing back tightness, back stiffness already in the middle of March is not ideal. Absolutely not ideal. All right, voicemail time. 917-382-1151. Let's hear you guys. Make some magic. Fire away. Hey, JJ. Matt from Huntington Beach. I usually call in about my Rangers, which I'm watching right now in overtime against Pittsburgh. But I'm giving you a call for another reason today. Um, I'm sure you don't know this about me. How could you? But I'm a Rutgers alum. And the fact that they didn't get into the tournament today is absolute garbage. They have seven wins, at least, over a tournament-bound team. You got a team like Nevada who's got, what, two at the most against tournament teams. Like you said in your tweet, four teams from the Mountain West get in. Just garbage. I feel bad for those kids. I feel bad for that coach. Um, just got to be better than that. It's a down day for the Scarlet Knights. It's a bummer. I guess on to the NIT, but it just, uh, just doesn't sit right with me, JJ. Have a good one. Well, I love that call. I love your passion for your university. Um, they should be dancing. And I'm not saying the Rutgers finished up this season great. They left opportunities on the table. They left an opportunity on the table at the end of the regular season. That Minnesota loss was a killer. And they had the game won. I mean, they basically lose on the road. It's a quad three loss to a bad basketball team. But they still, in comparison, did enough to be in. And I'm sure that will be a lesson for Coach Peichel move forward. Let's not put ourselves in this position. Because last year, they almost played their way out of the tournament. They lost a heartbreaker of a game to Notre Dame in the first four. This year, I thought they'd find their way back into the first four. Not to be. But I mean, you look at their resume and Nevada's resume. It's not even close. And four Mount West teams is too many. I watched, I'm not going to sit there and tell you I watch a lot of Mount West basketball. But I watched Saturday, and I watched a lot of their tournament this week. Rutgers is a better team than Nevada. They're a better team. Period, point blank, end of story. That conference, Mount West, when they put up 45-40 scores on Saturday, that should not be, in my opinion, a forbidden league. And it's a league that, simply put, I'm going to be looking to fade in the NCAA tournament because I don't think they're going to have success once they go outside their league. The nerds all love Mount West. The college basketball junkies, they all have the Mount West. How did Mount West perform and do last year? You remember? And I wouldn't expect big things out of that conference again this year. So I feel your pain on Rutgers. All right, who's next? What up, JJ? It's Andrew from Brooklyn. Checking in on my Brooklyn Nets. 
I know there's been a lot of talk about the Knicks lately, and deservedly so, but there was a lot of piling on, a lot of grave dancing after KD and Kyrie left town. But, you know, not so quietly. Nets have won five out of their last six, coming off of that big comeback uh, against the Boston Celtics. And I just was wondering, can you show a little love to the uh, 12 of us that are Brooklyn Nets fans? Because I think they deserve it. Jock Vaughn's doing a hell of a job. The guys that they've brought over in the trades have been performing. Show us some love. I still think we deserve it. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. <laughs> Impressive stretch of basketball, no doubt about it. And, and I give Brooklyn credit because it looked like the season, again, for the 10th zillion time, was falling apart on you. This time, it was because of the fact that Durant and Irving were gone, but you wondered, okay, can these pieces fit together? Do they match? Do they make sense? Can they work? The Boston game clearly has been a turning point for them. Cam Johnson could shoot it. Finney Smith's a nice little player. But Bridges is the guy. Wow. I always liked him. I mean, he was a very productive player in Phoenix. But you're seeing a different level to his offensive game now that, let's be real, he's given a lot of those scoring opportunities. Like in watching Bridges ball out the way he has, can you see him developing in like an all-star type of player? Yeah. I don't think that's a major stretch in the least. Look at the way he's played. Look at the way he's performed. He's going to earn himself a lot of money when it's time to get paid. A whole lot of money. All right, let's take one more. Hey, John. It's Jake from Charlotte. Haven't talked to you in a while. Hope all is well. Um, I know not all is well in Knicks land right now. Um, you know, win or lose this game against the Lakers on Sunday. Uh, this team's lost without Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, it showed against the Clippers game on Saturday when Julius Randle lost his cool and has just been kind of terrible the last couple of games. You know, five for 24 is absolutely atrocious. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Jalen Brunson's the one that makes this team go. Uh, without him, they're, you know, completely lost. Uh, you know, kind of reverting back to how they were last year. Uh, you know, no matter how much Emmanuel quickly is, you know, sixth man of the year, no matter how many points, you know, Julius Randle puts up, they're just, they're lost. They're not a complete team without Brunson. Um, and I kind of see the bottom falling out if Brunson's foot injury is going to be serious, uh, which I think it's probably going to be, unfortunately. But, yeah, just another, you know, depressing end to the next season. You know, they go on a nine-game winning streak. You think they're you know, finally turn the corner and are going to be a, you know, a playoff contender. But, you know, without Brunson, like I said, they're really above average at best. So maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like I'm right on this one. So, all right. Thanks, man. Well, they miss Brunson drastically. I mean, he's the best player on the team. He's the most important player on the team. And Randall needed this game Sunday because watching him on Thursday without Brunson and watching him on Saturday, it's like, I feel like at times you're watching last year's version of Julius Randle. That might be unfair. That might be unreasonable. But that's the impact Brunson has on him because he's not forcing the issue as much. He doesn't have the ball nearly as much. He's kind of got somebody he can feed off of, he can play with. And, you know, they work very, very well together. So Brunson, it goes without saying, he's the most valuable Nick. You need him back. If you want to be a team, Let's get out of the first round. They are not doing that without Jalen Brunson. You know what I know, and all New York City knows. Today, though, 
it's like a stop the bleeding type of game. It's like, all right, you lost three straight games. You had the bad loss to Charlotte right before the West Coast trip. You lose the Sacramento game. You lose the Clipper game. This kind of settled things down a little bit. And then, boom, you get the game against Portland. 500 road trip. Be on your merry way and get ready for the Nuggets Saturday at Madison Square Garden. Very wise, by the way, that the NBA is going basically zero dark 30 on Thursday and Friday during the NCAA tournament. That's that's a smart move. It's a smart move. And they're doing that to Saturday the Final Four, too. I mean, those are, those are monstrous days. Like, that's good for me. I love that the Knicks play at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Because then it's, boom, standalone NCAA tournament game, Knicks. Two games going. And Saturday, I got a nice, I got a nice little weekend play. Mom's big birthday. Kate's big birthday. So Thursday, you guys would be proud of me for this. So Thursday's her birthday. And we went to the MJ play a couple weeks ago. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. MJ on Broadway was just so, so good. The dancing, the music, the choreography, amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So I took it to that, went out to a nice dinner. Strategically, because I'm like, the birthday's the first day of the NCAA tournament? You know, it's a big work day for me. I got a lot cooking. I do have a lot cooking. I mean, pods galore, TV galore. I mean, I, I got to be dialed in. So I suggested Thursday. Go, listen. How about you get a nice get-together with the gals? Happy hour, dinner, do it up. And that allows me to get in the lab and do what I need to do. But I'm going to take care of her Saturday and mom on Saturday. Big AC hit. One night only. In and out. But get down there first thing. Get down there right before the first game's tip at noon. Have myself a little day. So you see me in Atlantic City uh, sipping a Bloody Mary at around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. You know why. Because there's a lot of beaks. A lot of beaks to be had. And I'll tell you, I am in a uh, very spirited mood. I'm at uh, a Wegmans today. Wegmans in Brooklyn. And I love how you find out about a sports event. Sometimes through a text before you even get to Twitter. I'm like being really productive before the basketball games. I'm getting all sorts of groceries. I'm like really on my A game. I'm like really stepping it up. And of course... The Jalen Ramsey trade happens. And then I'm like, as unproductive as can be, and my head is glued into my phone the whole time. Jalen Ramsey versus Tyree Kill in practice. Get your popcorn ready. And thank you, Jalen Ramsey, for wanting to play in South Florida and taking a little discount because Dolphins getting Jalen Ramsey for a third-round pick and Hunter Wong is highway freaking robbery, baby. Tell you this, Jeff fans, you better get Rodgers. You better get Rodgers. AFC East is shaping up to be the best division in football. Buffalo, you tell me the Jets have Rodgers. Miami, the way they've loaded up on both sides of the ball and they were a playoff team last year. And, I mean, anytime you're talking about the worst team in the division being the Patriots, that should tell you something. So, buckle up. It's going to be a very eventful week. All right, a very fired up, a very giddy Coach O'Toole. Pitt, going dancing, playing game on Tuesday. It's the first time we've ever done these spots on Selection Sunday. What coach is actually going dancing? How about that? Coach O'Toole, Pitt, associate head coach, coming up next. Jedi are being murdered. On June 4th, Star Wars returns, only on Disney+. Plus. I didn't do it! Believe me! She was my student. Let me be the one to bring her in. Now she is a student of the dark side. An acolyte. 
Star Wars The Acolyte. Two-episode premiere June 4th, only on Disney+. Plus. So I think if you know our show and what we do, the last couple of years here on New York, New York, and I've been doing this back to my radio days, Tim O'Toole has joined me on Selection Sunday. I, I want to say for the last five years, for the last six years, some along the lines of that. But this year feels ultra special. And it, it feels ultra sweet because instead of Coach running through the minutia of every single team within the bracket, his team is getting ready for a game. It will be Tuesday in the first four against Mississippi State. Coach O'Toole, welcome to March Madness. How's JJ. it feel to be back? JJ, it's great to see you. It's great to be back. And I got to be honest with you, I was just thinking about what you said. And it's really awesome to be here tonight when your team is participating in this event. I'm not going to lie to you. It's unbelievable. I can understand that. Now, you got to talk me through what's going through your head and what is going through the team's head. As you're sitting down today, you know, you're watching the final slate of conference tournament games. There's so much chatter. There's so much conversation about who's in, who's out. Did you do enough? Are you going to be in the plan? Are you going to be out? Are you going to be in? What was your vibe? What was the team's vibe as you're waiting for six o'clock in a selection show? I mean, it's kind of still like in disbelief. Um, and what I mean by that is this. The reality is the ACC is a basketball league, in my opinion, right? And, um, and we have 14 wins in the ACC. And it's like, all we've heard is, all year long is it's not good. You're not good. And we're like, all right, well, we'll just keep nose to the grindstone and keep trying to figure it out and just keep getting better. And, uh, uh, you know, even, you know, our first two league games at NC State in December and then at the, at the Dome, you never really want to open up on the road, especially in the ACC back to back. But we did. And we were able to kind of pull out two wins. And then, all right, who are your next three games against? Well, it's Carolina at home. It's Virginia at home. And I think it was at Duke. Right. And so that's just typical of the ACC. And uh, I don't know, maybe we had Clemson in there. I apologize, but they were undefeated. We were undefeated. We lost to them and they went to Duke. And, you know, but it's, it's kind of what you do. And, um, but we always thought, you know, we know this league and we know the teams that are in it and they're all good. And, you know, we, we had a pretty good year, relatively speaking. I mean, if, if you asked any of the teams in the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big 12, Pac 12, Mac, I don't care who you are. Are you okay with 14 and six in your league? Yeah, you know, you've done well. And, uh, and yet all we've heard all year long is no one likes us. And that's okay. Um, so going into today, you're saying, how, you know, how is it at six o'clock? And, and you just keep hearing and, you know, you're the last ones out or, the, or whatever the hell it might be. And it's like, we're happy to be there. I mean, I know we know where we were when we took this program over, JJ. And, you know, again, and you're coming into the ACC, you know, I, I go back, our first game was against North Carolina five years ago or four years ago. No, five years ago. And it's Kobe White and it's uh, Nas Little is coming off the bench and it's May and, and Puff jo uh, Cameron Johnson and I mean, they're the fifth ranked team in the country. A week later, in, in come the Duke Blue Devils with Zion and, and, and uh, Reddish and Barrett and those guys and they're one in the country and, you know, Florida State was 12 and Louisville was, you know, ranked in the top 20. Everywhere you turn your head, like, this is what we took over. We were 0-19. And, and you, you know, and so you got your head beaten in throughout this whole thing, JJ. And so now all of a sudden you're saying, here we are five years later. Um, and, and we love Pitt. And uh, with the chance to go to the NCAA tournament, it's like pinch us at large. Too. It was like you, you won the thing. And, um, and so you were just hoping and praying that like, man, I, I hope to God we make this tournament. I really hope to God. Because once you're in it, anything can happen. And, uh, and we're in it. So, 
I understand that optimism. Listen, I'd be fired up. Was there, was it subdued knowing that you're playing a game on Tuesday? I hope the guys really embraced it and celebrated and enjoyed that moment. Did they go nuts when they see Pitt on the screen? Good. They should have. They should have. And and, and rightfully so. It's, uh, I was thinking about this, JJ. I think this is the 10th time in my little career, uh, dating back when I was at Fairfield, um, as a player, uh, I was two times there, three times at Syracuse in the first go-round, twice at Duke, so I think that's seven. Uh, went back to the Cuse, eight, Stanford, nine, and now at Pitt. You know, ten times have been part of this tournament. And uh, I remember my college coach, Mitch Bonagirl, telling us when we were at Fairfield, he's like, you guys have no idea if you can qualify for the NCAA tournament, one of the greatest things that's ever happened in your lifetime. And he's right. And especially, I mean, again, you realize how rare it is and, and just how good you got to be and how lucky you have to be. And um, and, and to be back in this thing, and I, I forget, I think I've been 20 games in it, right? I think it was 11 and nine is the record. And you, you don't take any of these things for granted ever. And uh, and especially, you know, our last four years here where it's been, a, it's been hard, but your league is hard. And, and, and we signed up for it. We knew what we were getting into. Um, but now all of a sudden, you know, here we are, in this tournament, and we're going to try to make the you know the most of it. And I do think getting back to your question, our guys with Jack JJ, and rightfully so, they've earned it. They fought their their way through every every bit of adversity, and uh, and the cool thing is everybody thinks we stink still, and we don't think we do. So we'll keep we'll keep you know swinging away here. I would continue to use that as motivation. Um, as far as you guys getting ready for Mississippi State, it's a yeah. quick turnaround. You probably had no idea who you were going to play, but you kind of have a sense. You know who those teams are coached that are quote-unquote on the bubble that are in play for the last four in. So were you guys able to get like a leg up on Mississippi State or is it basically, hey, you see Miss State, you start watching film as soon as that matchup is announced? Yeah, no, I think it's tricky. Like you said, you know, you went everywhere from 10 to 11, uh, four in, four out. You know who you're going to play. But I, I did just this morning, I was looking through and I, I saw someone said that we might play Mississippi State. So I just went through their stat sheet. And then I told you, that's kind of what I always do when I do scouting. I immediately go to a stat sheet because I do believe that the numbers will tell me some sort of a story. And uh, anyway, so I did that with Mississippi State this morning. Um, I think I watched the the Utah State, San Diego State game last night because I knew that they they could possibly be in play. But you never know. Uh, you just don't know who you can you know, match up with, but, uh, but no, we had practice this afternoon. And then when you find out then then what happens too for us, JJ is right now, you know, you're on no sleep for a while here. Right. So we found that at six, you know, six 30, whatever it was that we're going to play Mississippi state. We've already met. We're still in the office, you know, right now, um, pulling together all the film, all the resources we can get all the, you know, we're all, a number of us are watching different games and then we'll meet tomorrow morning. Um, but you're going to have to go through a few games and, and each game takes me roughly four hours to kind of, you know, try to, you know, plod through here. And, um, and so you basically just run out of time. And so then we got to figure out when we're leaving time, we've got to be practicing in Dayton. I think it's from five fifty to six ten tomorrow, a mandatory NCAA kind of stuff. You're playing Tuesday. So it's a really quick turn. And, uh, but again, what you do is, you, you know, you, you pull in all the resources, you, you focus everyone's attention and then you deal with the next game at hand, which is Mississippi state. So, um, I mean, we're excited. We, we kind of know this drill and then hopefully, you know, you, t- you got to deal with that one game at a time and then hopefully you get out to another game and, um, and then you keep doing the same thing. But, uh, but yeah, no, no, we, we've got a lot of eyeballs on this thing and we're excited. Well, coach, we've seen it with teams that have played in this first four Syracuse, perfect example. They did it a couple of years ago in 2018, beat Arizona state down in a wire type game, parlayed that momentum, got all the way to the sweet 16. 
I know it's not perfect best case scenario. Best case scenario, coach, you'd be a number one seed. I understand that. Yeah. But do you think that you can use the momentum potentially of winning a tough game on Tuesday, kind of parlaying that into more success in the tournament because you are going and playing a game? Well, I think you. I think it goes back to going back to that Q's team you just talked about. I think if you ask Coach Beheim, he thought they were pretty good. They deserved to be in the tournament. They got in the tournament. They showed everybody what they could do in the tournament, right? And I think that's kind of us too. Like the the fact that you're still able to play, and that's the one thing. You like, you know, again, we got beat up by Duke the other night, but Duke's pretty good. Like, I, it's a, it's amazing. They're a five seed. They're playing as well as any number one seed in the country, and they're they're firing on all cylinders right now, and um. But, but you do want to get back and start playing. And it's especially because, you know, we didn't play, I, what was it, last Thursday, I think was our last game. So, heck, we're, we're excited because, yes, you can. You get, you know, you get your, your feet wet a little bit and then you're, you're off to the next thing. But, but like anything else, you got to go deal with Mississippi State. That's not going to be easy. And, uh, and that's also the cool thing about this whole thing, JJ. And this is part of, you know, playing in the ACC. It's going to be another rock fight. And uh, but now you're in the NCAA tournament. Every team is good, and they're get, and then everyone is is playing at a high level. And you better bring your hard hat. It's not going to be pretty. And uh, you know the whole idea about surviving and advancing. That's what this thing is all about. Because you got to take care of the, the game in front of you, and then and then reload quick and get ready for the next one. If you're that fortunate. You saw Duke. They put on quite the performance in the ACC tournament. I love their team. I think they're peaking at the right time. I think they have found it offensively. What's the difference, Coach, in what Duke was earlier in the year when you played them and the team you saw Thursday in Greensboro? Well, a couple of things, JJ. One, Roach was out when we played him in, in Cameron. And um, and then Lively was coming off the bench. And, the, you know, I listened to John Shire talk about his team last night, and uh, and they really have defensively. I mean, that was the thing. When we played him the other day, the Miami game, and then last night, I mean, defensively, they were swarming. They were kind of everywhere. And I forget, you know, Virginia had only 36. It, it was kind of a super low scoring game. But with Lively back there, they, they become a lot different. And um, and because there's nothing easy around the basket. So where are you going to go? You got Roach and Proctor. They're pesting you everywhere. Filipowski's a big, strong forward. Uh, Mitchell is wildly athletic. Lively is wildly athletic. Come off the bench with with Whitehead and, and some of these other guys, like no, they're loaded across the board and they've got depth and defensively was the area. I mean, Ryan Young is a real good player. It's coming in as a backup center. They're throwing a lot of different pieces at you. And, uh, and defensively is where you saw it because there wasn't anywhere to go. They made everything hard. Every catch was hard. And they did that for the, throughout the weekend. And that's why they won the ACC. Coach, last year, ACC was not getting a lot of love. We saw what happened in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Duke went to the Final Four. North Carolina was a half away from winning a national championship. Miami had a great run. Uh, I think they were either a 7 or a 10 seed. They made it all the way to the Elite Eight. So this year in the ACC, you're hearing the same sort of stuff. Duke, I think right now, is playing really good ball. I'm right there with you. You have Virginia. They got a tough 13 matchup they got coming up. You have Miami, who's a 5 seed. You got NC State, who's an 11 seed. Uh, Coach, Give me the team outside of Duke that you think, and of course your team, we'll, we'll exclude your team. You know you expect big things out of your team. But out of Virginia, Miami, NC State, who could you see going deep on uh, a nice little tournament run here? Who should we be investing in, in the ACC? All of them. And I mean that sincerely. I don't mean it. And the reason I say that is that, you know, Virginia, you look at the country this year, JJ, 
How many teams were ranked in the top 25? And how many found their way out of that thing relatively fast? I mean, how many teams were number one and, and got out of the top 25? And if you think about it, I mean, Carolina, I know right off the top of my head, Auburn was in there. UConn was in there for a while. They've kind of moved back and forth, right? I mean, they, they, were, they were number one, weren't they, at one point in time? And then they lost five in a row. And so this is the country, in my opinion. And, and so if you have a good team and you got a lot of pieces and you have a pretty good system, I go back to Virginia because Virginia has a, an offensive system and a defensive system. That's what makes them so good. Well, they could beat anybody on any given night. So that, can they go on a run? Sure they can. Now, it doesn't help, help that the kid broke his hand. Miami, the same thing. They're, they're a bunch of undersized, I mean, undersized, uh, you know, and we'll see if, if the, the big kid will play for them. But they're six five, six seven, you know, across the board. So they're just kind of, they're good basketball players. But on any given night, they, they, they can beat everybody. And so I, I, I do think with our league, that, that's it. And Larry Nega brought up a good point. You know, it's like the styles of play in the ACC are really diverse. There is, you know, they're all over the place. And so each night you're going to have a different, like Florida State is a lot different than Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a lot different than Carolina. Carolina is a lot different than, you know, Duke and and blah, 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 blah. But when you go to some of these other conferences, they're kind of similar, right? And and, uh, anyway, that's why I do think, we're, we're, I, I do believe the teams in our league are going are to fare well just because you're used to kind of dealing with a lot of things and trying to figure out how to win. wanted to ask you this because you have this coach's perspective, and I'm watching Penn State play Purdue today, and Penn State's they, – they're, they're spunky, Coach, man. They got guards. They can shoot the three. They played really well in the Big Ten tournament, and Purdue obviously is the number one seed. They're loaded, but they have questions about whether or not they can win in March. When you have a big like Edie, He's seven three, and you don't have size. Yep. How do you how do you combat that? Like, what Hopefully is the strategy? Shoot. How do you, how do you combat that? Because that guy, if he gets the ball, he's basically going to dunk it anytime he gets it. Well, there's a couple of things. So, all right. So it's kind of like similar when you play North Carolina with Baycott. Okay. So, okay, if you got guards that can shoot, come on up and set a ball screen. And so now, Mister Edie has to do what? He has to come all the way up, and you keep moving him all over defensively. And now all of a sudden, he's got to figure out a coverage. And now you're bringing a guard off of him. Are you going to switch it? Is he going to stay back and, and drop coverage? Who knows? But if you can shoot, now all of a sudden, you can kind of go pick on him, theoretically. And um, and then all of a sudden, that's your advantage. And then you try to force him up as, as much as you can. And, and and he is a pretty good passer. But you go double, you go stunt. You you, know, you, you got to make it hard. You're not going to just sit there and let him throw it down your throat all night long. But the flip side is, okay, he's going to have to guard someone. And if you have guys that can shoot, you're going to help figure that that's going to be detrimental theoretically to them. And I would agree. And I think you got to pressure a team like that. You saw it with Penn State. If you can get them playing up tempo, somebody like Memphis might be able to do that in a potential 8-9. Okay, Coach. The thing about that, though, JJ, you're spot on because then all of a sudden, if that thing is going up and down, a lot of times the bigs are stuck in the middle and then they, they don't, don't know what to do. Thing. They get that's stuck exactly with the right. ball. You don't want them handling the ball. It's a total disaster. That's um, exactly is right. there a favorite you think in this tournament? Do you think Houston? Is the best team in the country right now? I mean, Fairly? how can you say it? They got. I mean, I don't know what the score was today, right? And they lost Sasser. See, I would not. I would say Bama right now should be the number one team, and they got that number one seed. You would not. So I, again, you know me, JJ. I don't follow any of this stuff, right? And, and quad ones, and well, the quad ones change every day. They're changing, and I, I can't quite figure that out. Me neither. Well, I saw Kansas was seventeen and two, or something wild in quad one wins. 
And they didn't get a number one seed? No, they did. Kansas got a one. Did they? Kansas, yes, they did. Kansas got the fourth one or the third one. They went um, Houston. They went Houston. B- Bama, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue. We have four ones. Oh, so I think and they, they put Houston UCLA over. as a two out west. Correct. Right. They were over. Uh, Houston was a two overall. But Kansas. they didn't put Kansas in Kansas City. They screwed them on that. They did not give them the home court yeah. advantage anyway, in the second week. I just listen to this guy, and he's trying to sell this point. I'm like, that makes zero sense. Whatever he was saying is like, yeah, I don't know how you can say that, but I don't know. Um, you think there's something to the idea of almost it's that much more challenging? And I know it's a totally different Kansas team, right? They have a great resume. They have great wins. But they won the national title last year. You need so many things to go right, Coach. You know this. The oh my ball's got to break a certain way. Yep. You need to get the right draw in the NCAA tournament. You need to take advantage of it. Yep. Um, is there something too like it that much more challenging and that much more difficult for a team, even if it's different players, to go and do it back-to-back years? Oh, my God, yeah. And JJ, I think I told you this, and Coach Krzyzewski mentioned this. God, you know, I worked for him in the 90s. He's like, you know, you have no idea how lucky you have to be to get to a Final Four, let alone win it, right? What can happen? One, injuries, right? Sasser, like all of a sudden, some a key player goes down at this time of year. You don't know how your team will respond. Clark with UCLA, you saw it. Although that team's got balls, coach. They are tough. They are tough watching them. Even though they lost Arizona yesterday, I like that UCLA team a lot. They were scrapping. They were swinging. You know, that was punch for punch last night. But, right, injuries happen. The brackets and your seating, and that was one of the things Kay mentioned. You know, all of a sudden, if no one's getting knocked off, it's just heavyweight, you know, fights left and right, and that'll eventually wear you down. And then the other thing he brought up was about officiating. And he goes, you know, the officials coming from all over the United States, and they call things differently. And so if you're a rugged, like an old Big East team, which is very physical, and you're going to deal with some officials that are from God knows where, and they call it really tight, well, that's going to hurt your chances if you're a, uh, an old Big East team of uh, being successful. And um, so getting back to your question on Kansas, you know, last year is over. And uh, you got to regroup with the team you got, with, with the players you're about to play. And then even then, you know, Billy, and I understand he, he's doing better, but it's like, you need him too, right? I mean, all of a sudden, you think it's just going to be easy if he's not on the sideline. You know, it, it's, uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's never easy for anybody. Um, and you got to, you know, last year is over. They're going to have to take the confidence that they had it and move forward. But, you know, it's a different team. Okay, coach. Obviously, I got to ask you about this. Near and dear to my heart, near and dear to your hearts because of the time you spent on the Syracuse staff. What was your reaction when you found out it was official? That Jim Beheim, who had been the head coach at Syracuse since Gerald freaking Ford was the president, <laughs> is not going to be on the sideline next year for the Orange. Well, you know, again, personally, um, you know, I, again, I've been, I've been J- JJ. There's no one luckier than me. Like I've been blessed to work at great institutions with the greatest men. Jim Beheim was one of those guys that gave me an opportunity in 1991 as a volunteer assistant at the Cuse, which was one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life. And, um, and so, you know, my relationship dates back to then. And then, you know, and knowing who he is and, and being in those closed door meetings and then, you know, watching his amazing career now 47 years later, and then all of a sudden it's over. Like it, it just, was, it was so surreal. I didn't believe it. To be honest with you, I did not believe it. I was like the, the way everything was phrased and worded and, uh, you know, and then, yeah, I, 
I, I don't, I didn't believe it. And, you know, he mentioned in his press conference, you know, after those four games um, where, where they got, you know, beat up a little bit, but yeah, I, st- I still didn't believe it. Now the flip side, so I feel horrible for him and Julie and everyone else. And I hope they're happy. And, um, you know, it, it's sad because it's the end of something. And then the flip side, is all of a sudden Adrian gets the job. And so and you spent time with Adrian when you were on the staff way back when, right? He was a yeah. part of your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I was at the Q's the first time from 91 to 95. In the backcourt was Adrian Autry, Mike Hopkins, and this guy Lawrence Moten. Those are the three guys. Pretty and, good. Uh, and Pretty so good. If for, you know, and Hop was there forever as an assistant, is now doing a great job at Washington. And now Adrian is going to replace Coach. And, uh, and that's a great thing. You know, it's, again, I... I knew Red when he was 19 years old. And so, um, yeah, no, it's, I can't be happier for him. Uh, You know, and again, I hope the Bay is happy because he deserves it. Uh, Again, JJ, I I just think of the empire that he created there. And I go back to, you know, the people in Port Byron and Oswego and Salve and Thousand Islands and, Rome, Utica, and people of Rochester coming from far away. And he outlined this beautifully, in my opinion, JJ. He said it's always been about the fans. And he was spot on. You know it because you've been there. Think about it. He's like, when it was zero degrees, they came. When there was six feet of snow piled high, they came. Wind chill 20 below, they came. And you know the parking's a pain in the neck. They're walking cross campus. And it's not that warm in the queues in January. But those fan, that fan base they created is, is unbelievable. And especially because it's been relatively an economically depressed area for a long, long time. And there was this love affair between him and Syracuse growing up there, staying there. He never wanted to leave. They never. I remember JJ when I was offered the job at Duke and that's what he told me. He's like, why would you ever want to leave Syracuse? He's like, you got a house here right on, you know, the corner of West Colvin and, and or Westmoreland and Colvin. And uh, anyway, he went through this spiel and, um, and, and anyway, so to know what he built and like, we're, we're, I'm practically in tears today, JJ, when we get in the NCAA tournament. He was in 47 years. I think he was in 36 NCAAs. 36. They're 47. That's every year, bro. Bang, bang, bang. Turning that thing over. And, uh, you know, you're not going to see another guy like that in your lifetime. Coach, and, we'll never see that ever again in Division One sports. A coach no, in a job it, for 47 years? So no that's like, what we were thinking. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like can you, when you really synthesize it and, and realize all the lies he's changed. I mean, that's where I, I've been going through, though. You know, and JJ, I do want to share this with you because I think this is important because it's, um, and I, I apologize if I'm going over time or any of that crap, but I go back, my favorite memory of Coach Behan was attending my father's funeral. And these are, it wasn't about beating Georgetown on CBS or and the Final Four was amazing too, but at this time of your life, like everybody knows him as the coach or, you know, what he does with the two, three and the orange. But when you're struggling and, and something happens in life and and there he was with my mom. I swear to God, like, like it was yesterday, I'm, you know, behind the casket. And and then I look up and, and there's coach. There's Hop and the staff. This was a 10 o'clock funeral. They drove down that morning, so they had to get up at 5.30, be in White Plains. Funeral probably ended at 11. They got back in the car, practiced at the Q's that night or that afternoon, and they flew to Alaska that night to play in the Alaskan shootout. 
And it was one of these things where I remember telling Hop and those guys, like, no, hit, please don't come. You don't know. Like, you got too much other crap going on. I love you. I know you'd be here. And Bay's like, yeah, forget all that crap. Your mother is who I'm coming to see. And, uh, and JJ, it, I swear to God, it was like he validated my father because my father was a, a basketball guy. He was a coach. It, it was just amazing. It was absolutely amazing. So when you say, how did I feel? It, it, again, he's a second father to me. And, um, and so to, to know he's stepping away, you know, part of me is like, it, it's so sad because he's, he's been so instrumental, not only in my life, but in the sport of college basketball that we love and that you, you, you went to the Q's and, uh, yeah, it just, it's, it's almost too much to process. And, um, I can yeah, understand that. that. Yeah. Coach, I yeah, can yeah. understand that. That's some yeah. powerful stuff right there. Number one, number two, I just can't imagine. And no disrespect to Red Autry, Jerry McNamara, whoever was going to be on that Syracuse sideline. It is just going to be surreal next October, November when you guys start up and I see Adrian Autry, not Jim Beheim on the sideline. We wish him well. I hope he's the coach for the next 50 years, but you knew this day was going to come eventually, coach, but you just don't know what you're going to do until it happens. You know? I didn't think it was going to come. I, I, uh, I kept telling coach, you know, 10 years, you're good. You got this. Don't worry about it. 90. Well, we know we'll be spending a lot more time on a golf course. Uh, final one, coach. You, you guys are going to win on Tuesday, and you guys are going to have success in this NCAA yeah, tournament. From what's your the lips to what's, God's ears. There you go. What's the biggest key for Pitt to get that done? So we've got to defend like there's no tomorrow against Mississippi State. That, that, I mean, it's going to come down to that. These guys are wildly athletic. They're, they're trying to get into your pain at all costs. Um, we're going to have to try to keep them. We're going to have to keep in front of them. We're going to have to keep them out of our paint. We have to sh force them to shoot perimeter. That's not really their strength. I think they're shooting, uh, I'll tell you what they're shooting, 26% on the year from three. So we got to pack this thing in and let them, sh you know, fire way out deep. And then we've got to be able to hit some shots. And if we can do that, then hopefully Pitt will be Pitt. I like the sound of that. Coach will be watching on Tuesday night, a standalone game for the nation to see. Hey, Don't put Pitt even more on the map. You know, that's the idea. Let me ask you this question. My eyes aren't as good as they used to be. The quarterback behind you in this little... There's a certain quarterback in my background who went to the University of Pittsburgh. I, I think that you know who that is. Yeah, man. I think you know who that is. He's Hail a pit alum. Baby. There you go. Pit. Hopefully he'll give you a little pit juju, coach. Go get oh, him on it. Tuesday. We'll be uh, rooting. JJ, right, baby? I, can't tell you, I can't tell you how fired up I am to be here tonight because like you said, we've done this for a number of years. And now we're finally in the tournament. And you're in the dance, bro. You're and a part of the I'll field. hopefully I'll do this more. You'll, you'll invite me back. I was going to say, Coach, I hope we're chatting on Friday and you guys are getting ready for a game. I like Let's the sound it, of that. Let's do it. Fired up. That's Coach O'Toole, associate head coach at Pitt. Go on, Coach. God bless you, JJ. Thank you, pal. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. 
So my goodness, how fired up was my dude, Coach O'Toole? I mean, that's just as raw as it gets. That's as emotional as it gets. But went a long time to get back to the NCAA tournament. That means a lot to him. And it should. You know, it's blood, it's guts, it's sweat, it's tears. It's, it's a lot putting in that grind for a college basketball season. And that's what it's all about. These three weeks of March. So hopefully pick and have a moment or two. I can tell you this. I'll be pounding away, waving my Pit Panther pom-poms on Tuesday night. In addition to our SGP that we will have for the Nick Blazer game. So Tuesday, yet another perfect two-TV evening. First four, Nick's Blazers. SGP will be on FanDuel Sportsbooks. You want to check that out. All right, Jeff Bunny. Um, we do have lines. We have tournament lines. We have some NBA lines. What suits your fancy, bro? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick. I got three plays going to be for Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So I'll start out Monday, the uh, 13th. I got an NBA action. I'm going to take the Sacramento Kings plus the one over the Milwaukee Bucks. On Tuesday, the 14th, we got our NCAA play. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh plus the one and a half over Mississippi State. And on Thursday, the 16th, I'm going to take Howard plus the 21 and a half over Kansas. Again, three plays. For uh, Monday, I'm going to take the NBA. I'm going to take the Kings plus the one. On Tuesday, I'm going to take Pitt plus the one and a half. And on Thursday, I'm going to go with Howard plus the 21 and a half. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. I'm right there with you with the Pitt Panthers getting one and a half Tuesday against Mississippi State. I think Pitt will be ready to go. I think the fact that they're a very experienced team, a lot of grad transfers, works to their advantage. And I'm telling you right now, UVA, laying five and a half against Furman. Furman is way too trendy and way too obvious. Public. 80% of the tickets, 98% of the money is on Furman in the 4-13 matchup. That's a little spoiler alert for what I might be looking at as far as my bracket is concerned. Get on Virginia. Virginia is going to find a way to win that game. You're telling me Virginia's going to lose in the first round two years in a row? I don't think so. We'll be on a who's. They might win the game 50-30, to 30, but we'll be on a who's nonetheless. All right, we got a ton of content coming your way this week. Whenever Aaron Rodgers makes his decision, We got you covered. Remember, we'll be on Twitter spaces with that. Live reaction, your calls, you want to get involved. Uh, If you don't follow me on Twitter already, John underscore Jastrzemski, you're making a big mistake. Get on that. Uh, We'll monitor what the Giants are doing, the Jets are doing. Um, And then, of course, all the NCAA tournament stuff. So, to an eventful week, middle of March, St. Paddy's Day. NCAA tournament bracket in front of me. Baseball is like two weeks away. What a time to be alive. JJ out. Good job, Stefan. Forget everybody.